Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hey there, ghosties. In this episode, I'll be doing a live reading with one of my beloved listeners. Every Wednesday, listen in on an intimate conversation and get inspired as we explore perspectives on life, love, and the human condition. Along the way, we'll uncover valuable insights and practical lessons that you can apply to your own life. And don't forget to hit subscribe or at the very least mark your calendars because every Sunday I'll be back with your weekly horoscope. And that you don't want to miss. Let's get started. Abigail, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like a reading about today? The thing that keeps coming into my head and my heart, and it's so, it seems so big, but it's the question that keeps calling is what am I? Mm. And I think I've been asking this question since I knew how to ask questions and I've been asking others and I've been asking spirit and I've been asking myself, but I've always felt like enraptured (laughs) deeply, easily in love Mm. with the world which maybe sounds like the, you know, woo but that, that is the truth. I have to yeah. tell you, confess yeah. it. I see it. But not of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> not of it somehow. And the same with people. I mean, my God, so amazed and in love, but not necessarily belonging. Mm. Um, and you know what? That's been both deeply painful and also all right and shaped my whole journey and and what I make in the world and how I love the world and how I express it. But also, I don't know, I thought if anyone could help me (laughs) with this particular (laughs) dilemma, it it might be you, you and the stars. I honestly, like I, you know, as when you started asking the question, I was like, oh, that is a big question. And then I looked at your chart and I was like, oh, but it's written right there. So that is so that is the good news. I'm going to prepare you for the way that you framed your question is as one question. But from my Mm. astrological perspective, it's two questions. One is, what am I? And a sense of belonging to yourself. And then the other one is about intimate relationships and a sense of how to show up for connect with and engage in those kinds of relationships. They have different answers or rather they come from different parts of your birth chart. So you were born February 18th, 1983 at 2.48 a.m. in Middlebury, Vermont. Okay, there's a lot of things to say. Let's start with this. This might seem like like a left field thing for me to start with, but I am not a fan of aliens. And I know, I know, I, I warned you. It it's seems not my left thing with. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. Because I know that there's like a very, it's very like a um, popular thing right now to be really like, please, aliens, take me from this godforsaken place. Mm-hmm. Um, no. But I just feel like just because something's different and unknown doesn't mean it's bad and it doesn't mean it's good. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I'm just going to preface that, what I'm about to say with this is to me is not at all about aliens or being alien in that kind of like little green man kind of way, right? Yeah. That said, there are a number of things in your birth chart that can make you feel alien, different, like you're from a different time, you're from a different place, like you don't quite fit in. I don't see that as being like a specifically like alien thing, but it but it is the, all the other definitions of it. Does that resonate? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. It's like my whole question. I was like, I'm not going to say I'm an alien because I don't think I'm an alien. But that was the word. But it's a big fat but. So let me tell you all the parts of your chart that point to it. The first is you're an Aquarius. And again, let me get ahead of there are no such thing as cusps. Astrology is math. You are an Aquarius. 29 degrees and 12 minutes out of 30 degrees of Aquarius. So not only are you Aquarius, and there's a reason why I'm going to guess that you've resonated with Pisces stuff. You have a lot of Pisces in your chart. We'll get there. But (laughs) you are an Aquarius at the anoretic degree, which is like the strongest, most potent degree of Aquarius. And so feeling like, oh, I belong to the future. Like I'm not here. I'm going somewhere. I'm, I'm like able to process what's happening around me 
kind of quickly, but I'm processing it as separate from what's happening instead of a part of what's happening. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Just just weeping. Yes. Just, yeah. <laughs> just get going there right away. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. That anoretic degree of Aquarius straight out the gate is really powerful. It's powerful in a way that works for you because in your birth chart, you have a Sun-Pluto trine and it's a nice, tight trine. You've got Pluto at 29 degrees of Libra. This particular placement in your chart is something that even though you may feel like all the things that I just named, you find ways of making it work for you. You find ways of kind of being like, okay, so if this is what I am, then then what about it? Like you kind of like get into it, right? The ruling planet of Aquarius, your sun sign, is Uranus. And in your birth chart, you have a Uranus-Jupiter conjunction in the 12th house. It is not conjunct the ascendant, but it's close. And let me tell you what that means in English. What it means is you have a certain brand of optimism and Again, it is not very earthy. <laughs> that is an understatement, so I left. Um, it is the opposite of earthy. It's it's star seedy, you know. It's it's really like there's this huge part of your inner resources, and and Jupiter functions really happily in the twelfth house. It's the place of your subconscious and your your kind of innermost psyche. Jupiter kind of lights that up. And then when it's sitting there with Uranus, Uranus is is lightning. Uranus is earthquakes. Uranus is stars. So for you, and do you want me to slow down? Yeah, I'm happy to slow down. I'm happy to. No, I, I, it's just everything is, no, it's just hitting me over and over. And so I'm, I'm riding the wave of this, but bring it. It's beautiful. Okay, good. I mean, We'll get to the challenging part in just a hot second, yeah. but because because you know it's not all good, right? Because otherwise you wouldn't have asked the question. If it was all perfect, you would be like, "Yeah, this is cool, bye." But no, this, there's something complicated here in a minute. But I will say that this resource within you requires both connection with others, and when I say others, I mean Earth, I mean animal, I mean human animal. You know what I mean? Like I mean others, and also this part of you requires space. You know, to be in your own universe of your own making, you get these bolts of insight or bolts of inspiration or uh, bolts of what may happen, like possible futures. And sometimes that the impulse that you have to share it is kind of like trying to remember a dream and describe it to someone. It kind of fucks with it. And so having an inner landscape where you both rejoice in it and are playful with it and also Allow yourself the space you need to explore it before you turn it into a narrative and share it with other people is really important. Because if you rush to a narrative, you might find it's kind of like popping a beautiful balloon. It's like, well, now that's over. (laughs) Yeah. That said, you know, you've got a stellium in Sagittarius. You've got Jupiter, Uranus, the rise and Neptune all in Sagittarius. So you're naturally optimistic and also your natural optimism can sometimes bring you to a really spiritual and existential confrontation with the limitations of being a person, of being in a body. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's, It's it's. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. And you tell me if at any point you do want me to slow down. Okay. 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 This is not specific. Like this thing about all the Sagittarius is not specific to feeling kind of like all the feelings that would bring you to asking, what am I? But in context of these other parts of your chart, it intensifies that inquiry because your imagination and your ability to connect, again, I'm going to refer to like starseed in that starseed way, can bring you in lots of directions all at once and can connect you to possibility, good, bad, ugly, all of it, in ways that are really tricky to communicate to people because it happens so fast. It's Sagittarius. It's the archer, right? It happens so fast. When you slow down, Not when everyone does, but when you slow down and you really get into your emotions and you get into your body and we're getting to the, that's when we touch on the only earth in your damn chart. (laughs) 
Yes. I'm glad you laughed because it is, it, you know, it's coming. It's um, extreme. <laughs> it is extreme. And it's, and it's for you. The only earth in your chart is you have the moon and you have Chiron and Taurus, the slowest moving earth sign. So everything in you is like zip, 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 zip. Everything's possible at any time in all directions. <laughs> and then the earth in your chart is like, or nothing is, or you just have to sit in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the oh, contrast dear. i know i know How it's rude dare. it's rude oh. i know it's rude Woo. i'm like winded from that hold on <laughs> i'm sorry yeah we're Jesus. taking a time i know i guess yeah that rings sort of true yeah mm -hmm. a little a little and, and here's what happens here's what happens and we haven't even gotten to the big biggest part yet but we're gonna get there what happens is You've got this Chiron in Taurus in the sixth house. And so when you get into your body, you have that Chironic experience of, oh, this thing is born to break. Oh, wait, this thing has pain. Yeah. 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 And it is, I will say for you, both a great struggle, but also you have the capacity to sit with your pain. And to step into what's possible within basically being in a meat suit, right? Like being in a physical body. And it's not an easy move because what you also have in Taurus is the moon at one degree. We're going to get really into your moon in a minute. But your moon sits opposite to Saturn and Pluto. So you have this fucking Saturn-Pluto conjunction that people born in, you know, in the year that you were. I don't, do you, con do you consider yourself a millennial or a Gen X? I think I'm an elder millennial. An elder millennial. So I'll tell you what my theory is. Because you have Pluto at 29 degrees of Libra, I would consider you the youngest Gen X as opposed to the Ooh. oldest millennial. That's just me. I'm, I'm Pluto driven with these delineations. <laughs> so if you've got Pluto in Libra, Gen X. Um, but, you know, Bring it's it. like when you're on the, the cusp of a generation, I mean, they, what do they call you? Exennials? That, that works for me, too. But having <laughs> a moon opposition to Saturn and Pluto... Saturn-Pluto conjunction is literally the opposite of everything I've said about your Sagittarian and Aquarian nature. <laughs> it's like survival is a risk. Survival is a struggle. Everything you do for stability is going to cost you. Everything that you really want to do to heal will disrupt your stability. It's this really intense conversation that Saturn and Pluto have. And when they're opposite the moon, as they are for you, you can experience bouts of depression or some people can experience some sort of mania or some, I don't mean this in like a clinical way. I just mean like obsessively fixating on things that feel bad or really losing yourself to either victimy feelings or like just sad and bad feelings. Does this happen for you? Sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> sorry. Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. This is hard for anyone, but because of all the Sag in your chart and the other thing we haven't gotten to yet, which I'm about to. It's like for you, all that Sag Aquarius is up on a cliff so close to the clouds, you can practically touch them. And then the Saturn Pluto opposite the moon. Oh, it's it's at the bottom of a canyon. It's at it's a, it's a bit it's a steep drop. What a contrast. It's like OMG, the contrast. Mm -hmm. And that can really depending on the period of your life, depending on your nature, it can either really screw with your head or it can mean that you always have a sense of resiliency. And for a lot of people, it's both. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah. It feels like it's both the greatest gift to have those polarities, which I had never, I didn't know about, but have felt forever, mm -hmm. you know? And the way that my body says, come back and come back now or yeah. else, Missy. Yeah. And the part of me that is sort of astral <laughs> fights, Fights, yeah, fights. And then when I come home, it's the worst and the best thing, yeah. you know, it's just amazing to hear it so clearly delineated and validated. It mm -hmm. makes me feel strangely less like a crazy person. Good. It's always a nice, yeah, a nice little lump of sugar. So thank you. For You're that. welcome. I, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of sugar. I'm a huge fan of sugar. Well, and, and I'll add to it. You are a musician. And so much of your music is so political and so deep. And we can think the Saturn-Pluto conjunction opposite the moon 
We can thank the depth. It's not just beauty and soul and empathy and, and being activated enough to care and to act on that care in whatever way is one's calling, one's skill set, one's circumstances, et cetera. We often want to look to Saturn and Pluto. We often want to look to these like heavy hitters because without that, you may have a lot of imagination and a lot of inspiration and a lot of feeling, but not know where to apply it. So this is where like those hard and, you know, a lot of astrologers would look at your birth chart and very rightly look at that Saturn-Pluto conjunction opposite your moon and be like, that's the hardest part of your chart. But I would say some days, and some days it's your greatest resource. It's your greatest access point. Yes, yes, yes. And that brings us to what I think is more of your tricky part. Okay, here we do. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. Okay, so this brings us to when you say, I don't know what I am. The first thing I should have, but I wanted to give real energy and space to these other points. The first thing I should have brought you to is Neptune in the first house. When people have Neptune in the first house, it means a number of things. It means that people think you're sweet. Doesn't matter if you're like sitting there plotting revenge. Like people feel like you're sweet. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People think you're sweet. People will often project what they want to see onto you. This is, this is, yeah, that's bigger than sweet for me. Yes. Okay. (laughs) That is, it is a very big one. And the Neptune in the first house can often, if not always, lead to feel for the person who has it to feel like, I don't know who I am because you're so energetically porous. You're like a loofah sponge. So you're pulling in energies all around you all the time. And it's consistently influencing your own identity because so much of what happens in the first house of the birth chart is our identity. And so Neptune in the first house is absolutely a placement that can make you feel like I just don't know where I belong. I don't know what I am. And when I'm around everyone wearing pink hats, I'm just like a pink hat person. And when I'm around everyone wearing (laughs) green hats, I just want to keep on wearing green hats. And it's not like a good or a bad thing, but it is an easy way to lose yourself. And then, and then we look to your beautiful Venus-Mars conjunction in Pisces, in your third house, the house of communication, the house of friendships, and it forms a square to your Neptune in the first house. This feeling of being so permeable and so sensitive to other people, while at the same time being so different from them, so separate from them, not knowing how to connect with them because it's like, I don't, to connect with somebody, I have to know where I begin and end, and I don't know where I begin and end, so what the hell do I do, is really intense. And an excellent outlet for it is art, it's music, it's creativity. There's no negative to it on the ethereal, on the creative, on the spiritual planes. On the interpersonal plane, it's really sensitive. Now, let me add another layer, which is that your birth chart, you have the North Node in the seventh house in Cancer. The North Node in astrology is not a planet. So it's not about your personality. It's not about like your nature or about like the things that happen to you. What it's about is your evolution as a soul in this life. It's like what you're meant to move towards in a, again, evolutionary way. And in your chart, it's about being able to be really present as yourself in intimate relationships with other people. It's about, I know, <laughs> that was a stink face. No, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm, I know. It's super annoying and I apologize <laughs> on behalf of the universe. But that's it. And your Neptune, that Neptune that I named, that is so much about being so porous and having people project onto you, but also you kind of, as a way of reflex, you suck in their energy, but also as a coping mechanism, because the best way to get people to like you and to get along is to kind of have a sense of like, if this person wants an ice cream sundae and I come up to them and I can kind of feel that they want an ice cream sundae and I say, hey, want to eat an ice cream sundae? They're going to like me. We're going to have a nice time together. Everything's going to be easy because I'm on their wavelength. It works. It really works. But of course, it has this like kind of empty aftertaste for you a lot of the time because you're you're not being liked for you. You're being liked for your ability to see them, to get them. Does that resonate? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I feel like elements of it feel very resonating for 
me earlier in my life mm-hmm. and some of it feels like forever me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah i feel like i've been moving through even in the last many years away from being liked as a survival strategy you know i feel like i've been able to put some of that down but it is the porousness and the the sort of taking on of other people's everything and having trouble there feels to me like a like there is a there's also a big truth in that in the being able to hold someone else's complexity and the way i experience it is sort of being with someone else and being able to see them in a deep way and feel them in a deep way and love them in a deep way but that then i go away and go like was i thirsty that whole time was i right did i really what was my (laughs) did i remember my own name during Mm -hmm. that experience it doesn't feel i mean it did when i was younger it doesn't feel like a two-faced like i'm pretending to be something else but it does feel like i'm connecting totally with what i would say what i'm connecting with what i am loving and leaving behind what I embody naturally. my own. Okay. So this is so important because the same placement in a birth chart can operate on a bunch of different levels. And, you know, hopefully over the course of our lives, it does. Because as you said, like when you're younger, it, it was more of a chameleon effect. And now it's more that you have a devotional way of loving. Those aren't your words, but that's that's like kind of what I'm hearing. And it's also the classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the classic of this like Venus and Pisces, Venus or Mars, let alone Venus and Mars squaring Neptune gives you a deeply devotional way of loving. But when we get into being super devotional, we can lose ourselves. I mean, you know, when people in cults, they're generally called upon to be devotional to the cult leader. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for you, this way of being devotional is a reflex as opposed to an intention. And that's where the danger lies in losing kind of direct connection and access to the self. Because if you stay in direct connection and access to yourself in an earthy way, well, then it's going to be really slow. It's going to be really deep. It's going to be really heavy. And that's not how you always want to be. You've got so much Sag in you. You're Aquarius. You want to like keep it flowing, keep it moving. And so this is where the practice of centering for somebody who's got so much fire in their chart, this is it for you. It's to really, in your like hanging out and connecting with people, creating a practice of identifying where your center is, And like, you know, gently in your own head, the way I do it is very simple. I just say my full name, like all my names out loud in my head three times, you know, just like say it really firmly as it with the intention of bringing all of my energy back into my core, right? Like this is like the center of the body as a way to bring your energy back to yourself. And that might make you feel like, oh, now I feel awkward interacting with this person. Now things aren't flowing as well. That's the cost, right? That's the cost. Because when you flow with other people, often it just takes you away from center. And that's not always bad. It's a good skill to have. But you want more agency and choice. And for you, what this breaks down to because of your nodal placement is doing this as an act of self-love. That's really what it is. It's doing it as an act of self-love and understanding that acts of self-love don't take you away from your healthy relationships. They bring you closer to your healthy relationships. And having the North Node as you do in the seventh house indicates that in recent incarnations, you had to do you. And doing you was the primary objective. It was the primary objective. It's what you had to do in order to kind of be authentic in yourself. And now... There's like a mixed messaging that you have around that because there's a part of you that's like, well, if I'm if I'm centering and prioritizing myself, does it take me completely away from people? And when it does take you away from people, it's not your truth. Like, that's not it. It's it doesn't bring you closer to center. So it's about being able to be loving towards yourself and be present while being intimate and showing up with and for others when it's good, when it's terrible, when it's boring all of it. And I will say that I mentioned boring on purpose because all that fucking Sagittarius hates to be bored, like hates to be bored. (laughs) 
So that is a thing to consider. But all of these things said, I want to just like slow down and see, do you have any questions? If, we, if we've been like speaking to the right stuff, is there anything in particular that you want me to turn return to or if anything else come up as a question? Wow. I've just been like crying and like laughing and nodding so hard that I'm like davening the whole time. It's like really um, very intense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like you've touched on so many of the things that I feel and this, this piece, and it's actually felt like a massive work of my last few years of breaking some of my own unhealthy habits around my inside my relationships Mm -hmm. and it feels heavier than that it feels like a long long line of cycles and like doing some really huge reevaluation around around that and you know and boundary work and and things like this and then also this feeling in me of wanting to be i feel like embarrassed to say this right now but but seeking like the liberation part feels easy. Mm-hmm. Like liberation feels delicious and feels right here and feels like, why can't we all just come on? <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're almost there. Like here we are and we're here right now. Let's look around, you know? Yeah. And then this other thing of needing to move slow, even for myself, mm-hmm. that duality is such a, a complication and and the beauty and for sure like the the teacher of my days you know Mm. um but difficult you may have heard of vpns they're super important a vpn or virtual private network is something that you can use to make your online activity safer which is especially important for people of color people who can get pregnant especially if you're in a red state queers, journalists, and activists. VPNs protect your information by masking your device's IP address. It encrypts your data and routes it through secure networks to servers in faraway states or countries. This hides your online identity, allowing you to browse the internet anonymously. It's 2023. Protect your online activity on all of your devices by getting a VPN toot suite. I like to talk about art. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm curious if that's around. And also I thought about the body more Mm. and just like my body's been through a, through a lot these last sort of 10 years. But also I'm just curious. I feel like whatever you are seeing, I want to go. Okay. Okay. So there's a couple things that come up. The theme of needing to slow down and having boundaries is super fucking up for you. And it's going to remain super fucking up for you for a number of years. As Pluto has started to square your moon, it is currently squaring your Pluto. You're going through two out of the three midlife crisis transits, right? This is an exennial experience. And the thing that I want to say about that is that your lessons are currently very much around being in that slowed down state, being in your body and tolerating and even developing a new relationship to the heavy bits because the optimism and the beauty, I mean, everything you said about that stuff, Sagittarius, you got Mercury and the sun and Aquarius, but bada bing, bada boom, you got Venus and Mars in Pisces. All of this is just like beauty, art, creativity, connection, the bigness, the wonder, That is your happy place. That is your comfort zone. But Pluto is fucking with a different part of your chart. Mm -hmm. So I think the kind of like the strongest when you ask those questions, the strongest thing that kind of came up for me was actually around body because it's the thing. Bodies are weird and they're wonderful and they're scary and they're sad and all the things. So I want to ask you, is there anything in particular happening with your body is there anything that's like a health issue you're going through? Is there any, do you want to like direct me a little bit there? I'm in a better place than I've been. I, but I've had a lot of like mysterious things, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like multi-year looking and testing for migraine 
what you know seeing i see a lot of things mm. so seeing flashing lights and colors and stars and things that aren't there but i don't experience them as hallucinations so that hearing are they associated with migraines sometimes i they are associated with migraines because then i would get very get sick after mm. they would come this also happens that after i do a lot of my work i do a lot of i guess concerts which are you know big big moving through of energy mm. i try to tend to myself either after but i'm also a parent of small children and so you have nothing but free time basically right? yeah <laughs> um, but even before honestly even before i did that i my body might hurt a great my back might go out my gut might go for a while things mm. like this so a feeling of delicious energetic movement and then when in the body a feeling of total i don't know is devastation too hard to work no no it's not and, and, <laughs> no no it's not and and let's talk about it so there's a couple things the first is i'm assuming you've had your thyroid checked i don't know i i think so i think i must have when i in my pregnancies and i must hmm. have been, yeah i mean I did in my pregnancy you did and everything came out fine I think so. Well, now I feel like I better go get it checked again. Yeah. Yeah. And is there thyroid conditions in your family? A little. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My sister. Yeah. Because your thyroid, your metabolic system looks like it could be a meaningful player in this. Now, I'm not a doctor and you should never take medical advice from an astrologer. Obviously, okay. that's insane. I mean, I shouldn't <laughs> say it's insane. I would just say that's not well advised. But yeah. taking this information to your doctor, getting your blood drawn and be like, hey, you know, my sister has a thyroid condition. I'd like to check my thyroid. A couple things could emerge from there. Thyroid conditions are wonka funky. Like they're just they have lots of ways that they can show up in the system. And also there's ways of treating them. So it's definitely worth checking. The other thing I would say is that, you know, Western medicine might be like, oh, you know, on a scale from one to 10, you're a four and we don't think you have a problem until a five. Well, you can go and see a Chinese medicine doctor. You can go and see a different practitioner who's going to help you if, you're, if your thyroid's at a four. You know, I'm obviously not using technical terms here, right? But you can treat the system even if you're not by Western medicine standards in disease, Right. So that is one thing that I want to say when I look at your birth chart. Now, the other thing is having healthy habits is really like it is hard in your birth chart. Habits are not necessarily your strong suit. All that Uranus-y, Sagittarius-y, Aquarius-y stuff, even the Neptune and the Pisces, none of it really likes consistent habits. It wants to flow into things that feel right in the moment. Well, I feel like what I've done actually is like counteract so hard and now I have ah. super rigid habits. <laughs> okay. Well, that's your that's your Saturn Pluto opposite your moon. It goes yeah. to rigidity. It's like this is how it has to happen and if yes. it doesn't happen this way everything falls apart. And it's a good overcorrection. Like in the realm of your your nature, it's kind of like I could see why you'd be like I got no healthy habits or I have the fucking steely healthy habits, right? Yeah. It's either or. <laughs> The problem with that is that it comes out of scarcity and it comes out of yeah. fear. And mm -hmm. the whole rest of your nature is flow and abundance and possibility. Yes. And then the way you manage your meat suit is with an iron fucking fist. Yes, and so it Jessica. doesn't work. <laughs> How dare. That's the truest freaking thing I've heard in a while. Yes. Sorry. So again, Pluto is fucking with your chart right now. So this over the next several years is what you're going to have the opportunity or need to engage with and unpack because what you are doing is really healthy for your survival mechanisms. It is like a very effective survival mechanism move. But the problem is when it comes to the maintenance and support of your body, we don't want to just survive. We want to provide life. Yeah. And that's not the move. That's not the motivation for the move because the rest of your chart's like, what is a body? A body is a fiction. Who cares? Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. So here's the move. There's a number of things. The first is, I want to talk about your tummy. Okay. Do you eat meat? Yes. Okay. I feel like that's pretty important for you only because mm -hmm. your system really craves iron and protein. Yes. And it's very hard to get it it's not impossible, but it's very hard to get it 
on a vegan or vegetarian diet, you know, I think those are superior ways ideologically of eating, but they're not always sustainable for life. Right. I got very sick as a vegan. (laughs) I'm not surprised. And you have the chart of somebody who would be a vegan for a period of time because of, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's your Neptune stuff, but yeah. But you're you would have to be incredibly disciplined and consistent in your eating. That's really hard for you, again, unless you're iron fisting it. And here's the thing. Because of the way your chart is written, large meals are hard for your body to process. Mm-hmm. So eating what that's in my chart. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Large meals, especially when there's a lot of carbs or fried things are really hard on your system. I'm imagining carbs are your like comfort food scenario. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, I mean, you're like only every day. So for you, eating smaller meals frequently is actually a really good move. It looks like eating like raw foods. I'm talking about, you know, cold salads is 2D. It's a 2D move for you. It's hard for you to digest, right? So Uh if you're eating cold things, so we're talking about fruits and veggies that are not cooked, I would do hot water with it or tea before the meal to kind of warm up your digestive system, which tends to run really cold. Warm it up so it doesn't have to do as much work while it's digesting whatever yummy nurturance you're giving yourself. Yes, this is good advice. Here's the other thing. I'm assuming you have checked with the migraines. Hormonal roots, I'm assuming. Is that true? It is much more extreme when I am in my cycle Mm -hmm. and before my cycle, yes. If the migraines persist and you decide you need to, you know, find a better way of coping with it or you want to figure out the roots of it, I would ask your doctor or your doctors to consider like what are possible hormonal roots to this? Mm -hmm. Because there Mm -hmm. can be. And Unfortunately, I feel like doctors of all genders have a hard time really like going in on hormonal health, especially for women. And so I would encourage you to look at it. There's a lot of indicators in your chart that speak to a hypersensitive hormonal system. Your physical system, this is probably like Chinese medicine terms I'm speaking in, but it runs both cold and hot at the same time. Like it's just like, again, it gets steamy in there. It's almost like your body has a habit, and this doesn't mean that there isn't something physiologically very real, you know, and and material that needs to be treated on a physiological level. But your body has this habit of being like, hey, girl, knocking on the door. Hey, girl, knocking on the door. Hey, girl, oh, you're not listening? I will drag you down to my level. And it just goes very dramatic, very quick. And often because you're not paying attention to that, like, gentle wrapping of the body, and I, I mean wrapping, like, wrapping on the door, it feels like it's coming out of nowhere. Because you didn't really, you're like, yeah, I kind of had a twinge. Yeah, I kind of had a weird thing in in my vision. I'm busy. And then all of a sudden, it's like I'm being murdered by my headache. And so these are things that I would simply say, the more present you practice being with your body, the more information you have. And the more information you have, you can then say to yourself, oh, I noticed the last like three migraines I had, I had this weird little twinge in my jaw, weirdly, unrelatedly, you know, and then within an hour I had a migraine. So in that case, you can put yourself in like, you know, preventative measures in that after the jaw twinkle or whatever it is that happens. There are a number of things in your chart that speak to health issues as there are with everybody's chart because everybody has a body and bodies are just unreliable. You know how they are. But the more that you can practice being really kind to yours in the 3D, like in the here and now, in that very Torian way of like sense-based, you know, way, that's all the better for you. And I would add to that that you're somebody who's sensitive to herbs. You're somebody who's sensitive to like the subtleties. And so you don't always need a hammer to treat an ailment, right? Like a lot of times you should start with the feather and see how that works and then build, you know, there's a lot of space between a feather and a hammer and build in your treatment plan from there if you have, you know, the right kind of medical support. Yeah. And it's about, for me, learning how to be in tune with those subtle signals because I feel like I feel everything all the time without making me run from the body when I feel them. You yeah. know, like feeling in, in, in my sensitivity, but not my skittishness. Yeah. 
you know? <laughs> yeah, that's really crazy. real. Hey, do me a favor. Say your full name out loud for me. Abigail. Okay, so this is this is classic empath problems. Okay, here we go. So you do. You feel everything all at once, all the time. And also, some of what you're feeling is you. Some of what you're feeling is in your body. Some of what you're feeling is in your psyche or your spirit. Being able to determine the difference between what's mine, what's yours, what's, you know, collective terror around fires everywhere, et cetera, mm-hmm. is a skill. And it's a skill that is within your nature to cultivate. And it is an act of self-love, also responsibility, to be able to know yourself well enough to know what is a common felt experience for you, but not yours. Say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll just like let that like settle in because what happens for you, and I think this is, you're not alone. This is like a very, you know, for those of us who are empaths, is we feel all the things and then we assume that all that anxiety that you experience, of course it's yours. You've been experiencing it for most of your life. But that doesn't actually necessarily mean it is. It might mean that you resonate with it. And it's so similar to your anxiety that you're now identified with it. You know, when dealing with this stuff, I think it's really important to have a very grounded, very pragmatic sense, you know, of responsibility because we don't want to be like, that's not me. I don't have to deal with that, right? Like we we want to like protect our mental health within this. We want to stay responsible to ourselves, to other people, all that kind of stuff. So the only thing that you really need to focus on with this is the identifying what you feel, being able to be like, okay, I know that this is my feeling right now. Do you tend to feel a lot of energy in your feet? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Because this is what I was just like, okay, I was like, okay, let's let me find something that's like activated right now. I'm feeling your feet. It's like it looks like you you tend to feel a lot of energy there. So that might be a way for you to kind of organize with your guides or with your spirit. Okay. Give me give me a feeling at the bottom of my feet when it's time for me to get grounded and to reconnect with my body so I can assess what's mine. I can feel what's mine. The good, the bad, the ugly. No story needed, no action needed, no fix needed. Nothing is needed other than identifying what is. And from this kind of foundation of self-awareness, that doesn't mean you're going to not feel other people's fucking feelings. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel collective stuff. But what it means is that your ability to hold it differently emerges because you're like, oh, I'm feeling things and they're not quite me and I don't quite know where they're coming from. But I know that that I'm feeling things and, and it's not yeah. my feelings. Yes. And that empowers you to be able to say, okay, do I need boundaries with these things? Do I need to like look at what's happening in the world and Google it? Do I need to check on my friend? Because I just have a feeling my friend's suffering today. You can kind of start to make that decision or say, I had a migraine yesterday. I got children. I got a full day scheduled and I need to set up good, strong energy boundaries and deal with other people's or other issues energy on a different day you are allowed to say not today and not not today satan i think it's a funny expression i think we should use it a lot but it's not about say it's not a rejection and this is where we come back to that that pisces neptune stuff is this devotional form of love is if i'm having a hard day and you intuitively can feel it i haven't even called you but you're my friend and you can intuitively feel it there's this devotional part of you that feels like well it's my responsibility to in solidarity feel your pain or to reach out to you and give you what i got even if i am empty yes and i would say the thing to really right yeah it's 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 a (laughs) challenge it's a challenge because that is what feels like love to you. But the Mm -hmm. truth is letting yourself centered enough within yourself that you can show up for me if you choose Mm -hmm. to, when you're ready, when you can show up is far better than you showing up for me and then me draining all your damn energy because you had nothing to give anyways. You were too Mm -hmm. tired. You were, you know what I mean? You had your own (laughs) shit going on. And then you don't have any energy for anyone else. This is what happens. It's really important, as cheesy as this is, you put the air mask on yourself before the kid, before the flight goes mm-hmm. down. That is a, it's an expression for a reason. And for those of us who are, have empathetic nature, 
We really have to learn that. And a form of devotional love is being able to say on a soul level, on a spiritual level, hey, friend, I can feel your pain today. Or hey, hey, collective, I feel the Mm -hmm. pain today. I'm going to ask my guides to set love and light up, just to ask them to please carry that burden. I have shit I have to do today. I'm going to return to it when I can. And maybe I can't for a week and a half. Maybe I can't for a month. Life is like that. But giving yourself permission to sometimes work on the spiritual level, I think can be really helpful because otherwise there's this risk that you just drain yourself, just drain yourself. And then when you do that, your body becomes a lot more vulnerable, right? Because you're running on empty. And now all your physiological stuff starts to get more activated because it's your system's only way of getting you to stop it and to listen and to be present with yourself. So it's your body's way of getting attention, just like a toddler, you know, only knows how to scream. Yeah. And because I'm assuming you write, you write the music that you sing, eh? Mm-hmm. I'm seeing that this may be a really good exercise for you, whether or not it's like something you would actually sing is not the point. But like as a journaling exercise to write songs to your parts from mm-hmm. that central part of you, that part of you that wants to show up for others, but doesn't always know how to do that in a balanced way with showing up for yourself. Like write songs to these parts of you, write songs as different parts of you as a way to get more present because that's your most easeful, joyful way in, which will make it more authentic for you because your nature is you want to, you want to lead with that. Yeah. So that might really help and it's not going to magically fix anything, but it is going to meaningfully help you to be aware of when your parts start to distract or abandon self or whatever. Does this does this yeah. make sense? Yeah, I love that. Yes, it does deeply. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. You're partnered, right? Are you married or partnered? Yes. Married. I'm married yeah. and married. partnered. Yes. Congratulations. And is this a relationship that you do experience a sense of belonging in? Or is it sometimes yeah. yes, sometimes no? No, I do. Yeah. You do. That's what it looks like. It that's what it looks like. This was just kind of coming up on the side is that you have a model in this relationship of how you can both be there for someone and also not obsessively tend to them. And you still have a devotional way of loving him and you still have intimacy and communion with each other. But it's not, I mean, for sure, sometimes it's at your own expense because your parents and because this is life but like but it's not the same pattern that we've been talking about yeah it's really it's really beautiful in there it is and also what i want to point out the reason why this is coming up for me is you have the skill you it's it's not about him i mean it is obviously but it also you have the skill there's this part of you that when in other relationships, you're like, I don't even know. This is so overwhelming. It's so confusing. I don't know what to do. That's true. But also, it's not completely true. You already <laughs> know how to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that can be really reassuring yeah. when you feel like, oh, I don't know where to begin. Because yeah. you kind of do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's nice to know. This is where you want to like kind of like, Insert that, like, teach your friend, that part of you that knows how to give him space to be uncomfortable. You give him space to have a bad day. You give him space to do those things. And you don't rush into fill that space when you know he's suffering because part of loving someone is letting them suffer. And part of loving yourself is knowing what you can and cannot do. Yes. So those are things for you to play with. I will leave you with this (laughs) final bit of advice, which is, do you floss? Yes. Okay. Three times a day. No matter Excellent. What. Yes. Okay. This is what I want to hear. And how are your gums? Do you have gum issues? I do have a little bit of gum yeah. issues. Yeah. yeah and do. do you clench or are you a grinder? I don't usually grind, but I certainly can clench. And with singing, mm-hmm. it's been a... I, oh, yeah. That makes sense. And um, there's just a lot of musculature at work a lot so of the day. You know? I would say a couple things. One is, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the way to do it. Is it like getting craniosacral work? Is it like creating a gua sha routine? You know, both. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's like a lot of things to do to support your jaw. I would encourage you because she works so hard. We want to support her. The other thing is 
gum issues show up in your chart. So I'm not shocked that even though you floss religiously three times a day, you still have some (laughs) shit there, right? Clenching and grinding can be really rough on our gums. And so if you have access to getting a a night guard, that'll really help your gums long term. Yeah. The thing I would say for you is ounce of prevention, pound of cure when it comes to your gums. Okay. You know, once a quarter, go to the dentist, get that cleaning, you know, just like have them stay really on top of it. It's genetic. You know, the the gum stuff. I imagine that, you know, in your family, people have had stuff with their gums. So, yes. Yeah. Some of this is just the way our mouth is. And and that's what that is. But it's definitely worth being careful about because I've had periodontal work done. I don't know if you have. It's awful. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Okay. Yeah. Not that, I don't I have any so enemies. But grateful. At, I was going to say, yeah. I, I never would have dreamed that this is what we, I would talk about with you, Miss Jessica. Oh, you know, I, I will you're say. You're taking care of me. I, I'm trying. I'm trying. And you're taking care of you. So much of what I think has come up is like, how do you belong to yourself? And part of that is caring for yourself, yes. right? And that includes the body in a big way. So, yeah. Yeah. And also the Pluto, you know, Pluto transits you're going through, though, they they might really stimulate your hormones and also may stimulate your digestive stuff. You okay. you would have already noticed this. If this is going to happen, it's like, you know, in the last six months, I don't know if you've noticed sensitivities in either or both. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah baby. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's it. That's why. It's these transits. And it's simply a call to listen to the body, respond to the body, support the body, not to be scared. You know, you don't, we're, we're taking that iron fist, we're putting it down. It's a practice, but that's, yeah. that's really the move. So yeah. So that's your reading, my beautiful friend. Yay! Thank you. I love my reading. <laughs> Yay. Oh, that makes me so happy. I'm so glad we got to do this. I'm so grateful to you. Thank, thank you. you. What a romp. What a romp. What a joyful <laughs> I laughed. I cried. I almost fainted. I'm so glad you didn't faint because that would have been a I first and it would have made me very worried. So yay, it didn't happen. You're a wonder. And you I'm are too. Say the end.